Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Dearest listener, allow me to unveil a delightful secret. Snag Tights Craft Clothing that embraces every body shape. In a bold endeavor to revolutionize the fashion realm, Snag has triumphed. Permit me to draw your attention to the ingenious Chub Rub Shorts, crafted with moisture-wicking yarn, promising to keep you at least one degree cooler and utterly free from the discomfort of chafing. Free shipping on select orders. Thus, the more you snag, the more you save. Do not delay. Dear listener, experience the fashion revolution that is snag and visit snagtights.us today. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Katie's Crib. In this episode, we're going to be talking about postpartum blues and depression. Chances are that you or someone close to you has dealt with this subject in some sort of way. It's a very, very difficult topic. And it's important that we are open and we discuss it. And it is crucial to know that if you are struggling or someone you know is struggling with postpartum depression or blues, that you are not alone and that there are resources and people out there to help you. We're going to dive in and talk about it first with Casey Wilson, who is a very good friend of mine. She is part of my mom village. She and I went to NYU together what seems like ages ago and um, always played the dude roles in a bunch of different Shakespeare plays. <laughs> After Casey, we have Lucy Rimmelauer, who is a marriage and family therapist in Los Angeles, and she's going to help put things in perspective and help us with how we can talk about postpartum blues and depression. So let's get started. Thank you so much. We are here at Katie's crib in Albie's playroom talking with my dear friend, Casey Wilson. Hi. Does people know that it's Casey Rose Wilson? You know, my name is a source of confusion for me and for everyone. <laughs> my real name is Catherine Rose Wilson. What? But my parents call me Casey since I was a baby. I didn't know you were a Catherine. You Catherine. guys, FYI, Casey Rose Wilson or Casey Wilson or Catherine Rose Wilson and I went to NYU together. Mm. I've known each other since we were doing male parts in Shakespeare plays. <laughs> Why were you and I always doing the male parts? It's <laughs> because so, we were super talented? And it's, yeah, it's right. <laughs> 
I was both upset by it and compassionate to the casting for sake. Um, so yes, your name, tell us. Oh, there's nothing more to say, but then I got married and now I'm Casey Casp and every so single good. piece of documentation says 20 different things. Like one's Catherine Wilson, one's Casey Casp. Is Casey Casp your stage name? <laughs> God, no. <laughs> no, it's my like weather anchor. Um, Hello, I'm Casey Casp. Casey Casp. It's or so good. Stripper. Um, I could talk for 700,000 years to Casey Wilson about her life. People are like, kid, we don't need to hear any more about her name. Oh. <laughs> Let's get into but the episode. What we're going to talk about today um, is postpartum depression. And a shift. And a quick left turn at mm-hmm. the postpartum depression. Um, I know, tell us quickly, like, about the time right after you gave birth to your first son. Did you have postpartum depression with your first son? Casey is now a mom of two. I did a form of it, but nothing like with my second. Really? I definitely, I mean, was I depressed? Absolutely. <laughs> but I was... But this term that women have of like, oh, like, I found myself even qualifying. I didn't have postpartum depression after Albie was born, but I had post, I had baby blues. Mm. I had the baby blues. I was crying every day out of nowhere. I was cry laughing and running to like wood floors and peeing on them because I couldn't control my bladder. It was a nightmare. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh Lord. yeah. That happened. Oh my. Um, <laughs> so we can just go there. Yeah. Feel comfortable. Um, but so there was a drastic difference between how you felt after your first son and after your second son? Drastic, which I was so unprepared for because I, I kind of chalked a lot of it up to like, I'm a new mom. My mom had passed. I feel so much guilt going back to work. I don't know what I'm doing. I kind of the was like... The first time. The first time. I'm like, all that's at play. That's what this is, I thought. Mm-hmm. Because to be honest, I'm not a very depressive person. Although, I mean, I really am, but I've been keeping it at bay. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do think, like, at least what I've Have learned is, like... Have you been diagnosed with depression before pregnancy? Not only after my mom passed. So it has been pretty, like, circumstantial, but then what I have learned not to jump too ahead of ourselves, oh, but, please. like, is the hormones kick up a lot of things that are lying dormant for, for women oh, yeah. when they have kids and just, you know, also menopause. So we have that to look what? forward to. That like, those huge hormonal shifts, it's, like cleaning out an attic, like things come up and a lot of people are diagnosed with even more, you know, different, different things come up for menopause and for pregnancy, post-pregnancy. Yeah. Um, so can you walk me through then let's say your second birth, um, can you walk me through the first days after he was born and like how you felt? Was it immediately like, super, super sad, not being able to get out of bed, like hearing him cry, not wanting to care about him, not feeling like yourself. Like what are, what are the varying degrees of, of like, yeah, well, I think it started as I got pregnant, which I didn't even know that was a thing, which is, uh, I believe it's called perinatal, yes. um, which is depression while you're pregnant. And I had that my first, but I just thought, you know, you're uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good, but I absolutely suffered through the second pregnancy to a degree of magnitude that was pretty shocking, I thought. During the pregnancy. Yes, and I had a hard pregnancy, but then, and this sounds insane, but at one point, because of his heart, I had to, I was having like a little cup of coffee and I had to go off all of it, like cold turkey, and for whatever reason, detoxing off of that caffeine that I always have had a cup a day, it sent me into, I mean, I truly can't even express. Like having a toddler, I felt like I could never wake up. It felt like I was like detoxing. 
Because you're running after your two, three-year-old. Now you're yeah. not having coffee. And I just felt like every single thing had been taken from me. And I was like, that's truly like the only thing I feel I have. And they're like, you can't exercise. You can't do this. I'm eating so much. He was, the baby was having. He had like a heart, heart murmur. And so there was just like all, I was like, the only things that have been making me feel better are exercise and. Coffee. Coffee. And no, you're not yeah. allowed to have Yeah, so it just felt like I was being tested. In Did you feel resentful? Not, never towards my son. And I feel so badly, actually, like now that I've had him, I always am apologizing to him because none of it's directed towards him. I know. I get that. I feel the same way. There yeah. is this sense, I think, when you're a woman that if you are struggling with baby blues, postpartum depression, anything in between, whatever you want to call it or label it, there's this sense of guilt. I know because I felt like people would ask me, like, you know, I, I would have no problem handing him off to the night nurse like every night because I was exhausted and I didn't care. Like I was so like, who is this stranger in my house and what did I do to my life for the first couple weeks? Um, and I say that so openly. I'm like, oh, God, one day he's going to hear it. But it wasn't him. I didn't know him. Like I just didn't know who I was. <laughs> You're like, he's a stranger to me. He, he was. Yeah. Like I never felt that immediate connection. I didn't. It mm-hmm. took me a while for that to build. Yeah. Um, I had someone, I I took a baby class here in LA and I think a woman described it. She just said this really sort of like hippy dippy doula mom who you think would be like the, the, the definition of, of falling in love quickly with her baby. She said, I had postpartum depression. I had to go on medication pretty early on and someone told me which stuck with her which then she passed on to me which is it's like love sometimes it's love at first sight and sometimes it's a slow burn oh wow and that's how it was for me with my son it was a total slow burn and I've met a lot of moms who was even slower than me like Mm -hmm. I think I kind of started to bond with him at about six eight weeks things started looking up and I started to kind of slowly fall in love with him but I know women who told me it's taken them a year yeah also, you're not sleeping. I mean, every single thing, the chips are down. Like, everything is working against you, truly, to then be pr- producing this, like, happy feeling every, every second. So what, um, when did you realize that something was off in comparison to your first pregnancy? And did you take, as soon as you knew that something was maybe different than your first time around, what were the actions you took? Yeah, so I had gone off Soloft when I got pregnant the second time thinking, well, I'm sure I'll feel fine, you know, I'll feel good pregnant. So I wasn't on anything, and that was a complete mistake. I should have stayed on it through the pregnancy. Or can you do that? Is yes, that you can. You absolutely can. The one they don't totally recommend, although I never want to take anyone's options away from them, is Wellbutrin because it's more of like a, which I'm actually on now, which is more of an upper and it suppresses um, your appetite. So they don't really want that for you to be like not oh, eating. while you're pregnant, obviously. But okay. Soloft and everything, I mean, there's, some people have differing thoughts about it, but it's also like, well, if you're really depressed, it's so much better for you to take something. And yeah. I mean, that's also stress on a baby. And Absolutely. like, I could give a fuck about, like when people are telling me they're on something, I'm like, God bless you. Like, I hate when, you know, all this, obviously you want to like check with your doctor, but I've. Yeah, I have so many dear friends who are just like, yeah, I need to stay on this. Their babies could not be more happy and healthy and, you know, and it saved them. That's say, is that saying happy mom and, and happy was, baby? Yes, and that was just stupid. So that that was one thing. It's like I wasn't on anything. I had the baby. It was an amazing birth. Both my births have been amazing. Like every single thing before it and after has been <laughs> disastrous. <laughs> <laughs> I had a similar thing. I spent all this time preparing for the labor so scared. I remember you were really So scared. afraid of it. My labor was so dope. Not a thing. And the real shitstorm set in the first night I got him home where I was like, oh my God, this is 
this is a nightmare. Yeah. This is the hardest <laughs> thing I've ever done in my entire life. 100%. Like, by far. By far. So how did you feel that this one was different? It was just, I actually, and I will say, I don't know that I didn't feel that, like, instant love with my first, but I so felt it with my second to a level that was shocking. I was like, despite everything I've been, like, going through, and I've never wanted a pregnancy to end so much, and I had him a month early because I had this liver disease, whatever, cholestasis. He comes out, I'm like, this is the completion of my family. This is my angel. Like, this is my... Wow, so you felt love at first sight to him. Oh, I was like, this is my little... Angel. Nugget, and I have continued to feel he's, like, my little angel, and obviously I'm so in love with my, my first son, too, but this was so different. And then I was like, okay, I'm chalking it up to, like... Again, I, I'm so I'm, I'm used to now being a mom. I'm not dealing with the identity crisis on top of it. Right. So I'm thinking I'm going to be good. Right. Like that's, This is going to go away. Yeah, like, and that's a large part of it. It's just like you are also have lost your complete single-person identity. Okay. So then I'm like doing pretty good, almost too good, which was, again, another sign. Hindsight, <laughs> I'm like riding very high. I don't know that. So you were really up. Oh, I'm flying high. I'm feeling great. I was like the three days that I was at the hospital, like these are the best days of my life. I'm like ordering <gasps> quesadillas and loving life. What? And I felt so good. And then, look, was I, in hindsight, was that the Vicodin from my birth? I don't know. But I was feeling so good. And I remember talking to my girlfriend. I think it was, like, two weeks out. Or, no, like, on the fourth day, you know, things started to slowly. It was, like, the roller coaster's, like, tipping. And slowly, the sheen is really yes, starting to come off. and I'm off. like, something's not right here. But I'm like, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Because I was so, like, please don't let this be happening. And then I remember talking to my best girlfriend from Virginia on the phone. And as, literally, I remember the moment I hung up the phone with her. And I was like everything has gone downhill. Like in one second, I was like the bottom like dropped out and it was so, it was very dark. I have to say it just plunged me into something that I truly have not ever experienced before. Like yes, depression. And I think that's like been covered, you know, but also a lot of paranoia Mm -hmm. and anxiety is where like I'm looking and I still sort of have this as a new mom, but like Strange things. I, I'm driving, I see a truck, and I see it exploding. Yeah. And things happening, like if I see a person walking, I see me hitting them and then like rolling up on the windshield. Yep. And I have that. Yeah, and I think a lot dark, of that is dark, a new dark, mom. Dark. Well, I think whenever there's like, like, I think life is so cyclical. And when you're now you've created new life, and now all of a sudden all you're thinking about is death and like horrible things. Yes. For some reason, that's how I go yes. as well. It's super dark to admit it, but like, Yes. Yeah. I and mean, I, I think, you know, some of it is also my mom had passed away about 10 years ago and nothing has kicked up that grief, like getting married. But even then, my and... mom wasn't like the type that would be like planning the wedding with me. So, you know, she was great, but this huge feminist. She wouldn't be like getting in the details with me. So it's kind of like that wasn't as, as, as facing like motherhood without a mom was also oh just, my it has God. been unbelievable. Oh and I don't God. even know, would it have been better? You know, we all fight with our moms. Like you, <laughs> you, you painted as though, like if I had this, I'd be okay. But it really hit me with the second mm-hmm. one. And I was like, I feel like I'm behind glass. That was the strangest feeling is I'd be talking to my husband and talking to friends and I couldn't get to them. And they're saying things to me. And normally I can read people, okay, I couldn't connect to them. I didn't know, was I landing something? Were they saying something? And my psychiatrist said it's like this fog that sets in, and that's a major symptom of postpartum, is this hovering above reality fog and, like, glass between you and the world. Whoa. Is a big component. So you feel like you're outside of your body. You feel like you're outsider looking in. You feel like you can't. You're not having real connections to people you're judging at all, or you're like... Yeah, and... 
similar to what you said, like as much as I love the baby, I'm like, I see him over there and I want to go and be doing all these things, but I simply cannot. Like I can't even get out of the room or the bed. Like I don't know what's happening. Did you have that? Could you not get out of bed? Yes, pretty much. And so I went to the psychiatrist right away. I'm not one to ever suffer in silence. Yeah. People are always God. like, oh, I suffered for a year. I'm like, I suffered one night. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, but thank and that God. was a long that's night. That's super brave and that's super. Everyone says that, but I'm like, it almost seems like. The you opposite. didn't have an option. Like you felt like you had no option. There was like no you were option. like, I have to get help immediately. Otherwise, I'm not going to survive this. 100%. I'm not going to survive this. My, My older toddler's not, not going to survive. My husband's not going to survive this. If anything, I think it was rougher on him. Oh, my God. I'm he sure. was just so like. And we've, we've also grown up so differently where I grew up with no money and zero help for my parents. And he grew up with, a with love, money. a ton of money, live in help. So his whole fix to things, and this is out of love, and it's n- not coming from a place of being entitled or trying to like... No, he's no, just no, like, like th- let's throw him yes. in a situation. Like, who can we bring in to help? Like, 100%. can we get a night nurse? Can we get more hours on the table? Who can we bring in to right. help you feel better? And, and you're I've like, that's not going to work. You, but I'm like, it actually made me feel worse because I'm like, wow, I'm hearing someone like playing with my kids in the other room and I can't get to them. It was like such a horrible feeling. I'm like, I want to be there, but I simply cannot. I couldn't even watch TV. Like I couldn't focus on it. But then I kept, I was like listening to Mad Men's, which I'd already seen. But when John Hamm or his character is like falling in the beginning, I was truly like, oh, there I am. Like that is me. And then I went to the psychiatrist and it was a lot of trial and error, but the good news is of trying different drugs, medications. And did they recommend that right away for you? Did you know that that was what you wanted to do? Great. Yeah. And she gave me a questionnaire and she was just like, I mean, she saw me too. I was crazed. I had a screaming match with her secretary and she and I have had a difficult relationship from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I've had to send her flowers and I've screamed at her again. And then like a lot (laughs) has happened. And I, I told her, I'm like, I think I've taken out my entire experience on you as like, I've projected onto you because I could never get to the doctor because you have to go through her right off the bat I'm in the waiting room and she's like it's gonna be like a 20 minute wait and I'm like I don't have one minute to be sitting here and it was just wild so I think but she you have was to understand like, you really don't have control of your hormones yeah like I and and your response like it's so out of control like so you screaming at somebody in a waiting room and that's like not you <laughs> like <laughs> I know I mean that is like me but <laughs> no it really wasn't and she just looked at me and she said you're not here and I just described everything and she was like it was very cut and dry she was like these are classic symptoms and she said something interesting she's like they have to be clamped down immediately because it's kind of like it's almost like a disease. Like if you think of it, like you have to take antibiotics right away yeah. or it just gets worse. Yeah. She's like, if you Pneumonia don't. turns into yes. whatever. And that is, if anyone is listening and feeling anything, go immediately because it only gets worse. And she said, there has not been one instance that it's ever gotten better wow. without medication, truly. Now, maybe there's the yogas, maybe there's the this mm-hmm. and the that's, but I think if you're in the throes of it, it you're not going to even get to a yoga class unless you're taking Yeah, something. you couldn't even imagine getting yourself to a place And like I don't mean to you... put people off by being such a proponent of medication, but I truly haven't seen, and I'm in like a postpartum group on Facebook, like I haven't seen anyone get out of that hole without medication. And just get yourself off the bottom enough to take, then I'm taking a walk. Then I'm doing all the things that well-meaning friends are like, you just, my, oh my God, my one girlfriend oh, had a baby after me. Brings over coffee as cheerful as can be. She's she goes. You just need some fresh air, buddy. And I was like, if I could kill, oh, if I could murder. I got one text which I've talked about on the podcast <laughs> that said, "How blissed out are you?" And I literally threw my fucking phone across <laughs> the room and I was like, "What bliss are you speaking of? Uh-huh. Like I'm in the throes of hell right now. Like I don't know who I am. I'm sitting on a donut." 
I'm in a diaper in my own blood. I'm having I'm slept in days donut. and days and days. I mean, like it just, I, people, my mom has said to me over and over again, I told you, I told you how bad it was. And I just didn't listen. And you just kind of can't know until you're there. Yeah. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need, renowned for their exquisite tights. Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes, clothing that not only promises but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note other chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. How was, besides um, your husband just wanting to fix the situation, once medication was involved and it was diagnosed that this is what you were struggling with and that this time was different than the first time, because you're saying it was you, you think you had postpartum depression, but maybe not to the degree you not had. Not to the second. degree on any level. And I took Zoloft, which my OBGYN recommended. Like, I didn't go see a psychiatrist. Oh, I just I emailed her, and she's like, let me give you a low dose of Zoloft. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling better. And that was that. It was really just like right. I didn't even see a professional. This time around, I saw a woman that kind of specializes in women's, like, 
reproduction and was that right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and all that. And we had to try, I would say, eight different medications. It was rough. So it wasn't just like, well, then I'm feeling oh, good. I had what? to go in. What and, a, nightmare. a nightmare. I didn't even think about I that. Know. So it's really like all, all mental health. It's, it's a, it's a, it's very dependent on per case per person that's basis why I of say what works go for now you. Because medication can take two to four weeks. So even then you're not getting off the ground for a while. So it's like, you're going to feel so much better to even call someone. And were there weird side effects depending on the different drug? There, well, so first she puts me on Zoloft, which is what I'd taken before. So we're both assuming like done and done. And then I felt so tired, so bad. And I had been taking a nap since I started taking Zoloft two years prior every day. And just like, I forgot. I was like, I guess this is who I am for three years since I got (laughs) pregnant. I was taking a nap every day and I'm like scheduling everything around this fucking nap. Like family members know like, Ooh, do not mess with my mother-in-law's like, Oh, and of course one to two, you've got your nap. It's like, this is what happens. And then being off the whatever. So I was on the Zoloft feeling so bad. And she's like, I don't think this is gelling. So she did this interesting thing where she took a DNA swab oh. and sent it to a genetic lab, which they do been doing for like two years now, I think, where they will tell you literally what medications, like, I hate to use this word like my mom would use, but like jive with your system yeah. to where like you get a green, like these medications are great for you. These ones are terrible and a red or like a yellow is like kind of perceived with caution. Every single from down to Advil, to a Vicodin, to every single thing. And Zoloft was in, like, my worst category, and it said weight gain, of course, which I had been struggling with. Oh and God. Which, of course, makes you more depressed. I mean, it's all, yes. like, a thing. It's all connected. It makes me so tired, and it's just, like, it's not a good fit for you. And so, well, Butrin was in my green category, but it's in a completely different class of drugs than, like, your Prozac, your, your Zoloft, your Selexa, Lexapro. Like, those are in one, the SSRIs, I believe they're called. Well, Butrin is more of an upper, which is... It was just life-changing to get on, but I also had to get on an antipsychotic, which was What's a that? shock. Who knows? It's, it's honestly used for you know people with intense schizophrenia or bipolar, mm. and recent studies have shown that a very tiny dose of it paired with Wellbutrin is an, a miracle combination for women with postpartum. Wow. So I don't even know why or how. But you feel better. Well, then that didn't stop. Start, it stopped working, so I got off the antipsychotic, and then I ultimately... And now settled nicely into <laughs> well, butrin and a mood stabilizer. Which, as an actress, I'm like, should I have always been on the mood stabilizer? Right, 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 right. Maybe everybody should. I know. Wow. So, are you feeling at all like yourself, or has it been so long that you felt like like it's all sounding like it's coming into perspective that maybe even during your first pregnancy, your first son, all the years you were on Zoloft, like maybe you haven't felt like who you are and who you are as a new mom maybe ever. 100%. And I'm glad I didn't know that because you, you're only where you are. So when I started feeling better, I was like, oh, I was not doing well. But those childbearing years, like I'm so happy to be seven months out of my last one. It's like everything's looking up. It's just like the routine's a little bit more yes, settled I'm in. out of you're, the like thick the, of it. Either people are sleeping or people sleeping. People are sleeping. I'm back to work. The psychiatrist also said for women that work, it is Oof. there's much more propensity yeah, yeah, towards yeah. postpartum yeah, yeah. because something's settling in that is just so unusual to you, which is like you've been so ambitious, you've been working so much, and now you're home, and there's something very disorienting about it, I think. No, I think you're very right, and then there's also that like weighing on you of like, you know... 
it's really weird, guys, but like in our country, I think the standard is three months to have off, which a lot of women don't even get that. And then there are a lot of countries where there's like maternity and paternity leave up to a year. And I think that's probably because there's a lot of like soul searching, figuring yeah. out connecting with your kid. Um, yeah, and I actually took off quickly more with my second because I felt like I had, and then I was like mourning a bit of like that first month and a half of his life. I felt really badly like I was not present here. Mm-hmm. So I took, I pushed work and took longer off because I was like, I you still want to have my experience with him. With him. Yeah. I, and he, was lucky I could. Which Did you feel that your older son knew what was going on? Did you have any conversations with him about that? Or was it like... I probably should have as no, you're saying that. I don't I'm saying like I didn't remember anything from when I was what is he, yeah, two and a half? He's two and a half. Yeah, I'm going a lot on the fact that he can't remember. No, he's not gonna remember. No. He I didn't really, but he I think he he's very sensitive. I think he knew something was going on. But you know, he's having his own postpartum period of like a new I'm son. now I'm like the only one. Yeah. Um you you mentioned something about a support group that you're in a postpartum Facebook group. Yeah. Or did you find that there were groups like that that you could get into? Did you find them welcoming, helpful? Yeah, so I'm in this like East Side Moms Facebook group in LA that is amazing and it's like 800 women and some of them are in New York and it's wonderful that someone started and it just like grew. And then they have offshoots of it. So it kind of felt safe in terms of like, I certainly don't know all of these women, but yeah. they seem to be like-minded, normal moms, yeah. like on the more laid back side. I got in the postpartum group and it was so interesting because there's 800 moms in the group and I'm going to do this math wrong. But what is, you know, one out of 10 women has postpartum. So how many women would that make in the postpartum group? Like 80? Is that right? Yeah, I think 80. It is exactly that number. And it is so wild. I'm like, oh, of this group, we are the chosen ones. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, one in 10. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, this is a real, this is a real But I think everyone experiences some degree of it. Oh, you know, For sure. might, you might be at a 10 and I don't think I was at a 10. I and think that's why women- my, the, I had a, a wonderful uh, a therapist is also on this episode, Lucy Rimmelauer, who, you know, the whole thing is like, however you label it, postpartum depression, baby blues, I'm not feeling like myself, I'll be okay. Like any of these feelings, it's like, as soon as you're, you have any sort of sneaking suspicion that something is really off after the first couple of weeks and it's not lifting or shifting or that kind of thing. It's like you have to seek help no matter what. And that can start with just phone calls, reaching out to friends. Like if you don't have a therapist on speed dial, it's like we need a village to help raise this kid. Yes. You need a village to help you be a mom. And, and honestly, so, tell a friend, I need you to call and make the appointment for me. Yeah. I can't even get it together That's to exactly that. right. And that's, just tell me when to go and be there. Yeah, whether it's a family member, a friend, mm-hmm. a partner, whatever you feel weirdly, comfortable with. And you might not feel comfortable with it being a mom yeah. or a dad or a... But that's weirdly the most troubling part for people. Telling to like people. get the name... Call, oh, like actually make the appointment. Make the appointment. Something yeah. about like getting over the hump in the same way like you give up breastfeeding, you start formula. That's the biggest leap. Once you're on the other side, you're like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. But deciding to my do it. Prevent, and there was another thing that, that I know it's like having preventative measures in place, which was before I had the baby, I told Adam, hey, like in two weeks, if I don't seem like somebody you know. <laughs> You need to tell me to laughing. make the appointment. I'm I'm, but like yeah. seriously, like I told him that because I, I was seem like another stranger other yeah. than our son. <laughs> like that, and then also I had appointments with my therapist on the phone the first week after he was born and the second week, um, just for check-ins to see how I was doing because yeah. I 
wasn't doing great, but she kept checking in with me and, and I was laughing a lot. And she's like, it's sounding to me like this is like baby blues, new motherhood. You're completely flung around upside down. Yes. But let's watch this closely and see if it's shifting and changing, which it did. Um, like I said, maybe around the six week, eight week mark, I started to really feel like in a groove and start to like fall in love with him. But, but I was on like, almost like watch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but that's is, good. Is how, um, I we do have to be vigilant. We do. And we have to take care of ourselves. Did you leave your house or interact with other people at all <laughs> in that time? You're like, did you talk to anyone? <sighs> I did not. I, I, I would attempt to, and it kept going awry. I would say yes to invitations, and Dave's like, my husband's like, you should go out. And then the girlfriends would be like, come on, let's just go down the street, and we'll get a drink, you know, a block away, and we'll meet you whenever. And then I'd be going out, and I'd have to cancel. I kept saying yes to work, and I can't remember what it was. You got many emails from me that were like, I would have a burst of energy and say, let's do a music class, only to have to reel it all back and say, I can't do this. And similar with work. I think you emailed us saying that. I think oh, you said, I said it many times. Yeah, I think she said you sent an email saying like, "Hey, I want to start this music class for my baby." Like you were in an up moment. Yep. And we were like, "Yes, yes, yes. We would love to come to your house for music class." And, and then a few weeks on later, no was one was ca- Yes, but we were all fine with it. <laughs> yeah. And then you emailed back a few weeks later saying like, "I am not in the place. I can't do this music class." And we were all like, "Understood." Like, yeah. not even. So it was please a lot like that it. of just kind of knowing like this will be good for me, but then like I really can't. You weren't capable get of there. It. Yeah. So like, right. Um, did you find personally to you that because you're an actress and you do a lot of comedy, like, did you find that hard or people would expect you like at work or something to be funny and you're just like not in that place? Well, weirdly, that's why I didn't go out because I'm so sensitive to people wanting me to be funny. And I'm not saying I'm like God's gift to people. (laughs) I'm just saying. No, but there's a pressure for you to be on. And to be liked. And I was like, I cannot layer that like you know, pressure for myself. I cannot meet it. So I need to, it's like when I, like years ago, you said blonde hair. And finally one day I was like, I can't uphold this. I can't be <laughs> like what people want out of this look. Yeah. They're right. expecting one thing and they're disappointed. And I'm sure even the, I know you're an actress, but, but for other, for people listening who are not in the entertainment industry, I think there's always that pressure. I think as a woman to be on, and I've met you guys, I like brought my makeup bag to Cedars with me where I had my baby because I was convinced that if I did my makeup in a beautiful way when I came home with the baby that I was going to Mm. present my new motherhood and my new child to like my in-laws who were waiting here and my parents and be like and be like super like look, I'm fine. I did it. I did such a great job. And it was like a nightmare. Like it was not <laughs> like slowly, but surely day after day after day, like the makeup like, putting hey, on became less. Want to get that makeup bag? Yeah. Off? <laughs> it was just not even getting dressed. Oh, now like my boobs are at, like I gave zero oh, thoughts. Yeah, like yeah, it yeah. was just, Oh, there's no room for that here. Yeah. Like it was just so vulnerable. Um, was postpartum depression, something you ever thought would happen to you? Like, was it something that the first time you got pregnant, you were like, I have a sneaking suspicion that this <laughs> yeah. might be me? Yeah. Because I did too. Yeah. I was like, this sounds about right. <laughs> you know, these are the types of things that take me out always. Like, when they're always like, and just listen, guys, they'll be like, one of you might be, it's like, okay, that'll be me. When do you think it started to lift or shift? Like, once you, was it finding the perfect medication yes. for you yeah. is when it started? I think it was like, like about 11, 12 weeks. And I'd gone in, I think, at three, four weeks. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a, a period where I was definitely feeling better on different things, but it, I hadn't found the right, like, thing. 
And I bet, I think it was about Halloween or around there where I was like, oh, I'm enjoying and looking forward to like going this pumpkin patch with my kids. That's a big win. And I was like, oh, I'm actually like here having a lot of fun and this is really neat. And I was like, okay, I think I'm like back into my life a bit. How did your husband, I think we started to touch on this, but like how did he, once you realized that there wasn't a fix in Mm -hmm. the way that he understands it to be, how was that? I mean, I I don't think that's a great space for men in general, which is just like, I can't do anything. I can't fix anything. And and for me, you know, I think like, uh, and you must identify with this. I think anyone that's, and not that I'm like wildly successful, but when you're used to things like going right and having control, which we do not have, it's an illusion as an actress Mm and anyone in life, but I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I'm at a place in my career where I was like, do this and that kind of goes fine and I'm not nervous to perform anymore. I'm not this, I'm not that. I like, I kind of understand the lay of the land. This for me was like, what the fuck is happening? And I think he is such a funny person and humor is like both of our fallback. Yeah, of course. So we were definitely laughing a lot and even laughing. There was a (laughs) night, to be completely honest with you. And we found out later this was um, the antipsychotic had been prescribed too much. (laughs) <laughs> Don't worry about it, guys. But I called my therapist who's in New York. I called her. It was midnight here. So it was 3 in the morning there. I've never done this in my life. And I said, I need to go to a hospital, like a mental hospital. I was like, I can't be, I don't know what to do, but I need to check myself in somewhere. It what was, was the feelings you were having? I was having a full like- panic attack, which I've never even had oh, before. Oh, they are a nightmare. Never had. So I was Did like, you think you were happened? dying? Yes. Oh, yeah. I've- Oh, welcome. I yeah. was like, something's happening there. There's also something we're talking hands. about postpartum depression. Oh, yeah, you were having anxiety yeah. attack. Um, there's also postpartum anxiety, which is like a real, real thing. Yes, um, and anxiety attacks, I mean, whether you're pregnant or not. And that's kind of a different offshoot of it. A totally yeah. different off- And it's, it's, and I think probably there's different medication for that. But oh, yeah, I've had anxiety attacks where I thought, I've gone blind. I've lost feeling in my face. I've been rushed to the hospital. Yeah, guys, really? anxiety is a real thing. Where mm-hmm. your heart's just like racing out mm-hmm. of your chest. <gasps> It was one of the scariest things I've ever experienced. Yeah. It yeah. was. I'm I so was sorry. like, this is crazy. I'm so sorry. It's, it's, <laughs> and so it's we a were even thing. laughing at that. I was like, I kept saying. <laughs> so did you go to the emergency no, room and they checked we, all your vitals and we you started to come down? We okay. didn't because I kind of like, I think it calmed down. And it, and also what I kept saying is like, I'm too lazy to go, but I want to go. <laughs> and then I, I kept saying to my husband genuinely, I'm like, just drop me off at the front and just leave me there. And you can leave. And he's like, I would never leave you at a mental <laughs> hospital. I was like, just walk me in or you don't even have to. I was like, just drop me. I'm just so impressed you've gone this long without having an anxiety attack. Like I'm impressed. See, I'm more of a depressed. I'm it's too, I, you're too anxiety tired Anxiety is it. not my thing. Anxiety is too, like, too uppity. Yeah. Which like, anxiety, so I'm always like, oh, whatever. It'll be fine. <laughs> like, I'm an optimist. I'm just kind of like, I can't be bothered to take that on. So you guys are, like, he really, sounds like you guys used humor to get through it, which is wonderful, and he's really showed up and been supportive yeah, of he was all of the wonderful. choices you have had to make for But, this. of course, it was coinciding with him. Like, he's had the most, like, amazing year in his career, and so after two weeks, he was like, it was like me looking out the window with like my hand at the pane and like it raining. He was like, I was like, go have fun living your dreams. I'll be here. Like it was so shocking. Oh God. I always think about women who like, who might have postpartum depression and they go back to work in like a week, like, or they have four kids. This is the counterintuitive thing. The The psychiatrist said you must go back to work. She's like, you're taking the opposite tact, which is like, I need to just stay home. And she's like, and I think it's impeding your wellness. What? She said, and and yes, we want to have control over our postpartum period. So you don't want anyone to force you back to work. But she said, it's actually good. 
to start working again. If you have work to Especially do. Especially if working also makes you feel yes, at all or just even be or, creative. She's like, I'm, I'm even talking about go to a coffee shop for an hour and write in a journal. Like do something outside of your child that fills you creatively or else, you know, you're just going to still be in this like spiral of domesticity that you hate being home, but you feel guilty to be away. And it's just yeah, like you this. feel guilty that the first weeks weren't like as blissed out yeah. ugh, as you would have hoped. Um, what advice would you give parents experiencing postpartum depression? I think absolutely calling someone, and I think it'd be great to round up those numbers before you even go into labor. That's what I said. It's preventative. Yeah. That's the, look, if you never need them, you never need them. God bless. Right, right. You'll have God a laugh. Bless. But it's like if you trust if it's your partner or if it's a best mm-hmm. friend or if it's a family member who you give a number to a therapist to that you've heard through a friend might be good or something like that, and you say, hey— can you check in on me a week later, yeah. two weeks later, through text message, through phone call, any way you can reach out, even if I'm pushing you away, and just if I don't look like a version of myself you yeah. have ever seen, absolutely, make like, an appointment for me or something. Yeah, the same way like you make dentist appointments in advance, and like it's just I think having those numbers, it's honestly like posting like poison control next to your phone, and that sounds like dramatic, but I just think we don't know what's going to happen, and also. Trying to think, I don't have much more advice. Like people are always like, Well, what can you do? And I just personally, if it's really, really bad, I just say medication. Mm-hmm. And don't but punish yourself for having to do that. Right. And that's there's a and everyone keeps saying to me, which I have to say I resent a bit, they're like, But you're gonna go off it, right? And like, but when do you go off it? And I'm like, you know, honestly, I don't know, and maybe not ever. That's right. And don't fucking worry about it. That's right. And I don't know, and I'm not at all eager to. Now, Last thing, the psychiatrist told me, she's like, it will lie dormant for up to a year, so you shouldn't actually go off of it if you're feeling good at three, four, five, six, seven months. And yes, I just talked to a friend who actually, I told her I was talking to you today, who um, was like, I just had postpartum depression at six months. Yeah, absolutely. And I was like, wait, what? I thought that postpartum depression, if, if you've made it through the first hellish few months, you're, you're flying high. She was great, and she's like, at six months for whatever reason, she was at work a lot. She's been not seeing her kid and like got hit by a freight train. Couldn't get out of bed. Same situation. Like, um, but she was like, can that happen at six months? And I guess it can happen. I mean, the whole first year, I think your hormones are still regulating. You've been through a major like physical and psychosomatic trauma. I think of parenting as like going on ayahuasca, which I've never done, but people say you're like confronted with I've never done like the seven circles of hell. And I'm like, that's what parenting is. Like it's challenging you at your fundamental core. If there's something your kid picks up on that is like your weakness, forget it. They're going to test it. Oh and it's like my. Oprah. It's like, the Oprah. I don't even, I don't know why I'm con- conjuring Oprah, but you know, one of the fucking amazing. things she said about like, you know, the universe is going to tell you over and over and your children will just be that like final whatever work you have no, done. Yes, there's this one book it's called The Conscious Parent. Oh. It's it's a big Oprah really enjoys the book. Is it like have a picture Carrie, of rocks on Carrie the Washington. Yes. <laughs> Carrie Washington is the only parenting book she said I would like ever need. I'm sure she read a billion other books right. because she's wonderful. But she she said it was the only parenting book I ever needed and it's the only one I really read in my pregnancy and basically it's all it's saying over and over again is that they are here to teach us that as much as you want to spend your time teaching them numbers and letters and how to multiply mm. and how to wipe their butt, really at the end of the day, they're here to take you to the next level yeah, of, of consciousness and all of those things because they are, they will find all the little things you have yet to work on here in this lifetime. Yeah. And I think 
it's interesting. The one, this resonated with me, the preschool director where I go, she said something where, you know, everyone was sitting in a circle asking her all these anxious questions, you know, like, okay, but my son's not, you know, he doesn't want to eat a lot and then they're not sleeping in the naps and this and that. And this one woman was like, you know, incredibly anxious, which I get and asking mm-hmm. a million questions. Mm-hmm. And some of them were like insane. Like she was like, you know, someone told me that if I have stuffed animals in the room and they appear to be real animals, but they're wearing clothes, it's very confusing for the kids because the kids think like animals wear clothes. And I'm just like, I mean, it's all so good. You know, I'm dying. I'm like, this is actually a bomb to my heart. (laughs) These types of questions. So these are the questions that come up, you know. And so she was so anxious and she was so charming and sweet that the teacher basically said, listen, if you don't want your child to be anxious, if you don't want your child to be, they're going to be whatever you are. It's like Cesar Milan and the fucking dog show. It's true. It's like, just work on yourself. You want to be a great parent. And so this is why you, like, and what we're saying to everybody, like, seeking help however feels great for you. Because however you need to get happy and feel better in in whatever that means to you and feel like a whole person is ultimately going to be the best thing for your kid. Yes. And, like, the moms I know that they're super anxious. Yeah, their kids are too. And it's all good. It's just, like, getting a hold of our demons. My son is, like, has, like, throws of, like, white hot rage like I do. It's just, like... (laughs) Casey, is there anything else you would like to say to, to anyone? Please. I brought something, which is... So a, another thing that happened in my postpartum was that I started drafting letters to people that were insane, like letters to the editor. And like just shocking, like <laughs> shocking letters. Like I sent one to a breastfeeding coach. I had taken her class and I wrote this in the middle of the night. Oh subject, my God, I'm like, so excited. I'm subject, so excited. I'm so excited. Subject, you didn't tell me. I had one class with her for an hour. Body of the email was like, you never told me how hard it was going to be. And like, I really think you need to tell women. And like, this is crazy. Like, you're presenting it like it's so great and fun. And I think you're doing a disservice to women. I'd be firing off these emails like crazy. And also, like, last thing I'll say is that my preschool, this woman wasn't trying to make me feel bad. But you're so in a spot where, like, you're going to hear things totally wrong, even still. So I'd had all this trouble with my second. Mm. So sorry. No, don't be sorry. And I finally like got out of the house to take my older son to his like mommy and me so I'm sitting there and I'm feeling like okay I'm like out and this other mom who had a kid about the same age as me was there with her older kid but she was wearing the little one in the class I'm like oh my god how's he doing he's so cute and she goes where's your son and I'm like he's home and she goes oh and then she pauses and she goes I just was not ready to leave mine yet oh and I'm like you know you just don't know like how hard it was to even get there i'm trying to feel sorry for myself but i do no, feel like it was hard for you to even fucking get and there not even let women. alone i put this on men like everyone just be careful what you're saying to new moms it's a delicate it's so delicate <laughs> basically don't say anything and just compliment them yeah no that's really a really good piece of advice which is new moms and, and new moms have to be so careful to other new moms about like like you say the competitive nature or the the, really, it's just a very delicate thing, and it's really just should be about love and support, and everyone's yeah. doing the best they can where they are at. And it, everyone's going to raise their kids so differently, and you'll see. You'll be surprised. Like, your best friends, you'll be like, huh. Wow, they're oh, fucking I already feel that. serious about that I already that feel shit. that. Or you'll be like, can she grab her kid who's about to, like, dive down the stairs? You know? <laughs> right. But, you know, you'll have all these, like, thoughts, but it's just like everyone's doing their best is kind of what I've tried to come to. I wish I could say that more to myself and accept it, but I certainly see it with every mom I know is doing their best. You're doing your best. Thank you. You're doing your best. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> We're saying God bless you. I mean, um, I'm not religious. But. Me either, but um, thank you guys so much for tuning into Katie's Crib 
Casey, thank you for being a guest. I'm so and honored thank you for to sharing have been your here. story. I think I I think it is so helpful that you are open to well, telling you. I'm your happy experience. to share it and happy to be on the other side and just want anyone to get help that needs it. Yes. Thank you guys. Thanks. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need, renowned for their exquisite tights. Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes, clothing that not only promises but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note other chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select Orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. We are here with Lucy Rimmelauer, and she is here to help us understand what exactly postpartum depression is and to provide us with some seriously needed information. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Katie. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, Let's just jump into it because this is like a huge topic and 
we, we could and should go on about it for a million days, but tell us what exactly is postpartum depression? So postpartum depression is actually depression in some ways, like depression would happen at any time in a woman's life. What's unique about it is two things. One, when it's happening, which is anytime during pregnancy, actually, which is why we call it peripartum depression, um, and up to four weeks after. I'll tell you that's for diagnostic purposes, but sometimes women are at risk as early as when they're starting to try to get pregnant and for months afterwards. So, What's peripartum So depression? peripartum just refers oh, to that before larger you period, have the baby. That whole, oh, okay. so, so peripartum includes pregnancy. So really to think about a time frame that women are at risk as being beyond just like, oh, okay, I had the baby, but actually women are really vulnerable for a long period of time. And Great, you guys, I know. it's so awesome it's to be good a woman. News. It's so awesome. It's so good news. Um, in, would you say that some women are more at risk than others? Yes. So there definitely are some risk factors. If you have had a history of, of depression, anxiety, a mood disorder like bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. if you have a family history of uh, mental health issues, mm-hmm. if you have a mother or a sister who had postpartum depression, you are more at risk. Whoa, I did not know any of those things. Yes. That's crazy. Yes, yes. I've been talking a lot about this with the moms in 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 a bunch of different mom groups I'm in. Like what the, what is the difference between postpartum blues versus postpartum depression? Like I feel like women that I know, I'm speaking from my own personal experience, like I felt like I had really I had blues after I had Albie. But I even find myself saying like, "Oh no, 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 but it wasn't postpartum depression right. because because I didn't really feel like suicidal or anything, or I, I did get out of bed, but I also was like not myself and super bummed out. Is there a difference? How do you tell? Is, you know, that kind of thing. So, so two things about that. One, let's talk about the difference and then let's talk about what we don't need to think about in terms of the difference, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. So most women experience some form of baby blues. Having a baby is a major biopsychosocial event with the most dramatic hormone drop-off you will have in your life. Oh, it's just so a, true. It's crazy, right? It's like crazy. especially estrogen, the drop-off after you have a baby has a major effect on the chemicals that manage your mood, right? Wow. So most women experience at least some of that, and that could be sad, that could be rageful, that could be tearful, they say emotionally labile, meaning you just feel like you're not in control of your mood, some form of that, right? Mm -hmm. But if that goes on really more than two weeks and intensifies and gets worse, right? Mm. And you start feeling like, you know, again, this isn't lifting or shifting at all. It's not lifting or shifting. And I'm having not only like, you know, sort of I'm worried about the baby a little bit, but starting to feel a real sense of worthlessness. And they say, you know, disrupting your ability to function, which let's face it, that's already disrupted. No one's functioning. You're on two minutes of sleep. Two minutes of sleep, (laughs) but you really feel kind of worthless as a human and as a mother. And and it feels feels like, whoa, this is, something is not right here. That's when it starts becoming postpartum depression depression. rather than baby blues. Now- Okay, wow, that's hugely helpful because that does make sense. Like I, I did have postpartum blues. 
I did not have it during my pregnancy, but I, did, I had anxiety, I think, during my pregnancy of like super scared of like having a baby and like ripping my vagina in half if that was going to be the way it was going to go down. Um, but the blues part, I remember uh, going to a little like mommy class before I had the baby at Beanie Birth and, and she said she was a, uh, a teacher there and she had postpartum depression and I made a pact with Adam before I had Albie and I said, hey, I don't know what kind of mental state I'm going to be in after I have the baby. So can you just, for me, like at the two week mark, if I don't look like the wife and the person you have known for the last 11 years, that's when we need to send up some real red flags and I might need to get help. Um, I had already been in touch with my therapist because I love therapy and I'm a huge fan. That's me personally. (laughs) But I had also the support system in place. Um, which I think was hugely helpful. And I just said to him, if, if at that two week mark, I don't know why I had that in my head, but if I don't look like myself, it's time to really maybe start to consider that blues might be an act, a depression situation and, and drugs might be needed or necessary or outside help, that yeah. kind of thing. And I think to that end, the distinction between baby blues and postpartum depression or peripartum depression is important somewhat, but I also don't want it to be that someone dismisses their experience Get into and that. says, that's good. If I can go there and say that you don't have to be feeling so dark and so bad to get support. So true. Right? Like I think being a mother for the first time or any time, but that beginning phase where there's just so much going on, that's enough to say, hey, what does support need to look like here? What do I need to get through this? I think I was so scared of having postpartum depression that I was just like, I had the appointment with my therapist before I gave birth, like in place, like a few days later, just so I was like trying to you know, just have a handle on and make sure that like I had a support system in place. Which is a really smart thing. People spend so much time thinking, what's the nursery going to look like? But if they spent as much time picking out, okay, here's my team. Who's going to help me get through this? Here is who's going to come by and check on me. Who's here's, who's going to bring groceries. Here's going to, who's going to give my partner a break. All those kinds of things. Oh my God, you guys, are you hearing this? (laughs) I know this keeps being a running theme in these podcasts about this whole it takes a village thing, but it is serious. It is very serious. So what we're saying here, and it might be a really good idea to entertain, is spend a lot of the time on the nursery, a lot of the time on your birth plan, but there also needs to be time set up for your support system after you have a baby. The groceries an appointment with your therapist, a break for your partner, all those things so that whatever feelings you may or may not have after the baby, you have a village around you. So we're thinking when should a new mom, when people start thinking, oh, when should a new mom ask for help? Are there ways that she can keep track of certain behavioral signs and or feelings, you know, early on? What you would kind of say is that should be set up before you have the baby. Yes, that I would say you know, thinking about who are the eyes on you. And the good news is um, a lot of pediatricians now um, actually do um, peripartum depression screening for moms because for many of us, especially if you have an uncomplicated birth experience, your OB goes, bye, see you in six weeks. That was a shock to me. Shocking, right? I was like, wait, 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 what? I've been seeing you every day. Now and I'm supposed now- to go to this pediatrician who's I- supposed to take care of my baby, but who's taking care of me? Right. So the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that pediatricians screen at one month, two month 
four-month and six-month follow-ups, which is why don't be surprised, new moms, if your pediatrician hands you either um, one of, there's a, a PHQ-9, it's called. There's a Beck Depression Inventory. There's a bunch of different screens. Oh, yeah. That... I had to fill out that one sheet. I forgot about that. In my pediatrician's office at, like, the two-week mark yep. or something, I got a sheet, like, how are you feeling? Yep. Circle the faces. Exactly. Like, are you... <laughs> exactly. And part of that is, and this is smart, because, again, your OB's, you know, breaking up with you, but you're a pediatrician. <laughs> you're just getting serious it's with. It's really true. And so they're actually a great place to screen. So one thing that you can sort of think about is, all right, I know I'm going to get that screening, but who else has eyes on me? And I would say part of your postpartum plan should include who are you going to talk to every day other than your baby mm-hmm. and other than your partner. Yeah. And talk, and I get talk is a tall order sometimes, so maybe it's just a text, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member who just says, hey, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? And you can you don't feel like having a conversation. We've got emojis for that. Thumbs up, thumbs down. But just let somebody know where you are and let somebody take the role of helping you to check in on yourself. That's so, so, so helpful. Um, are there any ways to, to minimize the chance of developing postpartum depression? Well, I think these kinds of preventative measures really thinking about what is the plan to take care of myself, knowing that you have to be as you were with your birth plan, as you were with lots of the other ideas you have about motherhood, gonna have to be flexible, but having some having some supports in place, thinking about is there a community group here in LA, we're so lucky to have Beanie Birth, to have yeah. the pump station. Yeah, um, but checking out some of the online supports even, and they're, they're a mixed bag, I know, but if you're looking for community and you live someplace where it's hard to get to places, yeah. going online to the Facebook mommy groups. Um, We're gonna list a few of those too, um, you guys, for you to look at, because um, that's very important. Um, so like these mommy groups you talk about on Facebook or things like that, more and more women are sharing their own personal experiences with postpartum depression. But um, like we're saying, many new mothers still have a difficult time talking about it, asking for help. So right now, you would say before you have the baby, it's like texting a friend saying, hey, would you mind being the person that looks out for me? Um, someone other than your partner, someone, someone other probably other partner. than your mom. Someone, or... yes, moms can be controversial in these moments, <laughs> yeah. loving but controversial. Yeah. yeah, so somebody who you can feel comfortable to say, you know what, yeah, today I really need to talk, or today I don't need to talk, or, or you know what, today I need you to drop by some groceries. And there is a wonderful organization called the Seven Sisters for Seven Days, um, run by a woman named Michelle Peterson that helps women put together postpartum plans. She has some great models of this, but at Seven Sisters, her idea is that you find seven people in your life who are each gonna take a day of the week, Monday through Friday, and they're gonna each have a task for that day. I have goosebumps right now. This is brilliant. It's a beautiful idea, right? Michelle Peterson does this that. This is great. But not everybody has that many people available. Sure. Sure. And so coming up with creative workarounds, maybe there are some people who come a, before the baby is born and bring a bunch of frozen food and stick it in your freezer. Maybe you have a big food freezing party with some friends. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but there's also the Postpartum Support International is kind of a wonderful resource online that also has um, support groups that you can get connected with. So it's really important to set this up um, ahead of time. And if you're someone who, you know, for a lot of people, there's stigma talking about this stuff. They feel like, gosh, you know, there's so many mothers in history. Why am I the one who's so special and I feel terrible all the time? You know, and it's like, yeah, like, a, oh my gosh, I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad mom. That's what I kept thinking. You know, I kept saying after Adam and I had Albie, you know, my parents were around and his parents were around and I felt really bad, but I remember just crying in my room saying, I'm not having any fun. This is not fun. Like that. And my mother-in-law walked by and saw me do that. And I felt bad. Like, oh no, I hope she doesn't think I'm going to be a bad mom to her grandson. She's amazing. She totally got it. We had a great heart to heart, but I was very emotionally up and down. Like there were moments in the middle of the day where I felt great and so happy to be a mom. And then there were moments where I literally like scandal wanted to get on a plane, change my identity, go to Europe, find a new boyfriend, <laughs> never be a mother. Like I was so beyond freaked out at how overwhelmed I felt. Um, so for women that uh, at around the, you feel very worthless and they feel stuck and that these feelings are not shifting and um, what are ways that um, PPD is treated and are there options for women who can't or don't want to take medication? Yes, or? yes, yes, yes. So let me start with the most severe. I just always want to put this out there. Yeah. If you feel like you are in danger of hurting yourself or your baby, please get help immediately. Mm -hmm. We don't need to go through fancy diagnosis. You need help. You deserve help. Your baby deserves you having that help. That yes. could be calling 911. That could be your partner taking you to the ER. Um, I'm going to give some um, talk lines, some hotlines that are available yeah, also. Hopefully great. Post Please, to the show yes, notes. we are going to post those. Um, but, you know, there are also lots of ways, you know, postpartum and peripartum depression is very treatable. Yes, medication is an option, mm -hmm. but so is talk therapy. There are lots of modalities of talk therapy, like cognitive behavioral therapy, mm -hmm. um, interpersonal therapy, all these things that can be really helpful in giving relief. There's also group therapy, and there's also less formalized treatments like going to new mom support groups and getting, you know, just encouragement and support from loved ones, getting breaks. Those things can be really helpful. Yeah. Mindfulness-based um, interventions can be really helpful too, doing, you know, um, meditation practices and things like that that can really help regulate mood, especially yeah. since, again, we have to honor this is a physiological experience. This is not just the thoughts in your head. This is your whole body taking in a major event. Yeah, it's a huge trauma, right? It's, huge. it's like, it's like I, I remember too, I would allow myself to have like a 15 minute hot shower at night and I would sit, I have a little bench in my shower and I would sit there and just like zone out and I remember I think praying to some sort of gods that I would sleep at all <laughs> to the night that was coming on, but that shower was very like meditative for me and just meant that my hair was going to be clean and you know, it was just the thing that I connected to. Um, and I know that some, some women I know 
you know, that breastfeeding is very important to them. And then if they're so scared, if they start taking medication, that's going to affect their breast milk. And I actually know one mom who thought it was going to be worse for me if I couldn't breastfeed. I was going to be even more completely feeling so worthless and depressed. So forget it. I'm taking the drugs and I'm breastfeeding. It's again, it's a personal choice. You know, it's like you're juggling a lot of things at one time and you have to obviously speak to your doctor and figure out what's safe for you and your baby. But there are a lot of options out there. And the most important thing is that you go and you find them Yes, and seek them out. Um, What can a woman's partner, family, friends, what can we do to encourage and support, ask friends for help. What what would be? I, mean, I think you've already covered a lot of this, but yeah, if there's anything I, else, I think you know, just adding in there, and this actually in some ways goes back to the mother. But a mother has to be willing, and it's really hard, but to ask and say yes to help, and then and let me tell you something, moms. It's very good to practice early on. Because get ready, you're going to be doing it a lot. (laughs) This is this village problem situation thing that I have really had to learn the most in motherhood is that I am not someone that asked for help ever. I'm a doer. I'm a workhorse. It's how I've always been. I, 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 I have always felt that asking for help is a sign of weakness, that I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. Let me be the one you, to tell you. You cannot do it on your own. Women didn't and they shouldn't. Right, <laughs> right. And they don't have to. And again, being creative about the ways in which if you are partner, if you are friends of new mama, there are so many ways to show up. There are simple things like just texting, just being willing to text somebody and be responsive. There is the bringing food. There's taking out somebody's trash. There's being willing to keep showing up, but also be willing to take no for an answer if a mom's not up for it that day, but keep trying. You know, some, I have a lot of people who say, oh, I, you know, I I tried, they didn't want anybody over, they wanted their privacy, which a lot of moms do. Your breasts are hanging out, you're nursing, you're pumping, you're I was sitting in a diaper, I was sitting on a donut, my nipples couldn't even touch a shirt. It was awful. It's not your sexiest moment. It's not the moment you're getting up to host and offer somebody a cup of tea when they come in the door. No, there's a lot of vulnerability there to being a woman of like, again, this problem of like, oh, if I'm going to have friends over, I have to look like I have my stuff together. I have to look like I have clothes on and that labor didn't take it out of me and I've got it all together and I love my baby. No. I I, I struggled with that all the time. Like Adam, my husband, you know, Adam and I were very social and people really wanted to come over and I'm someone who when people come over, the house has to look a certain way. There has to be things put out. I have to look a certain way. I have to look like I have my stuff together. And it was a real struggle for me to know that I really had to let that stuff go. Like I just did. And it was, again, it's one of the many lessons that being a mom has taught me so far. And, and I think so that's, many more to go. That, but that's <laughs> a really big one. And figuring out again that, you know, it's, it's letting somebody into a really vulnerable time in your life and being willing to say, yes, thank you, you can take out my recycling. Or if you're not up for it, you know, in my circle, we did a lot of what we called ding dong ditch, where we would just drop groceries or drop baked goods or drop, you know, anything needed, prescription medication, whatever needs to happen on the door, no expectation to be seen, certainly not to be entertained, but just the opportunity to be of service to each other. And I think when you're a new mom, you forget how good it feels to be able to do that for somebody else. That also means being willing to receive it. So true. I also can say um, that I hope that many of you out there become on on this texting 
situation with your friends and, and check in on them constantly. And for me, it was a huge trigger. If some, some women friends I had would text like, aren't you so blissed out? And I would be like, no. <laughs> and again, such a struggle with myself and the, how I present myself. But I would reply, no, I'm not blissed out. I'm having a really, really hard time. Um, I'm really tired. I think this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Um, I've also had friends who, like you say, it's, this is how you know it's a completely hormonal, insane time in your life. Because here I was, not blissed out, struggling, having like comedic moments of crying to Adam. And then my best friend, who had had a baby months earlier was literally on her knees crying to me saying, I've never felt love like this in my whole life. I wake up in the middle of the night and I look at my husband and I look at my baby and what if something happens to one of them? Like she was having a completely different experience, but I've been friends with her for 17 years and I had never seen her so like up and down, but her highs were so high and I really wasn't having that. And it it just goes to show you everyone's personal experience is very different. and you really, it's like, a, you just don't really have control. And that, that makes a good point also, though, about the ways that, you know, partners and, and friends can show up is not making assumptions, you yes. know? It's like for one person, this could be the hardest, most painful thing. Where is the joy? It's really hard to find in the beginning. For somebody else, it could just be the ups, the highs. So how are you is a much better question than are you totally blissed out? Yes. You know, great, great example. Yes. The how other, are you is so appreciated. <laughs> the other thing I would really push here too is partners also really need breaks. And partners, even though they may not be going through the sort of physiological changes that the new mom is going through necessarily, a partner can really also benefit from staying strong, getting the chance to exercise, getting to see friends, getting some support with groceries, whatever else it is. And, you know, I think sometimes partners get sort of neglected in that and just to make sure they are also getting a break. It's really, really true. Um, Does a mother's postpartum depression affect the baby? Does it can affect other children in the household? That's a, that's a good question. You know, the short answer is yes. If you are, and this is what makes the case for really, again, preventative care here and also taking care of yourself if you are feeling these symptoms. Um, you know, we, for the best sort of attachment between mother and child, mother needs to be present. Now, of course, all mothers are sleepless. So this doesn't mean, present doesn't mean that you're well-rested and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed but emotionally available to your child. So really doing your best to manage your symptoms is gonna help you be more available to your child and your child in turn will feel you know, safer and soothed and more understood. And I know those sound like lofty ideas for a baby, but that's really what sort of fosters a secure attachment between mother and child, that sense that their mother or their, their caregiver is available to them. Hmm. So what do you think it means when I was only (laughs) nursing Albie and so sad and the only relief I would have would be to live stream? What is that show? One TV show that had a lot of like, a lot of sex scenes, Lucy. Lots of softcore porn going on while I was nursing my son. I don't know what that means. Outlander. Oh. (laughs) 
Let me ask you this. Did it make you happy or relaxed to watch? Yes. That's a so, parenting win. There right we go. There. I would, sometimes I would turn his face. I'd be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> is this show on Showtime? What, sh- what network is this on? I'm so used to being on ABC and we can't even like thrust, you know? It's like, oh my gosh, I'm watching this. And my mother and mother-in-law were the women who recommended that show to Fantastic. me. So I would just like to say that. Um, is it common for partners who did not give birth to experience postpartum depression. Yes. What? Yes. I did not know yes. that. It is not in the, once again there's a different, you know, sort of physiological physiological component to it, but so many of the changes are happening to partners too. It is a major overhaul of sleep, eating, routine, all of the above. identity. There was a, a, a identity big time. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a, a study out last year that said something like ten percent of men um, experience some form of postpartum depression. Wow. And I would say, as with women, who I think it's around thirteen percent. Let me tell you, both of those numbers are low. There's a lot of underreporting because sure, of stigma and all of, of that. Course. But even the underreported number for men was at 10%. So wow. I think that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. And in general for partners, the fact that, especially in the beginning, you are relinquishing routine, control, order, all of the above. It is a major, as you said, and identity probably shift. status in a way too, you know, like all of a sudden if you've been in a relationship and the partner has been number one for a long yeah. time and this baby comes in, you know, and a lot of attention is obviously on the baby. I mean, it's gotta be so crazy for relationships and my yes. gosh. Um, what are some common misconceptions about postpartum depression and the women who are experiencing it? Um, great question. I think we hit a little bit on something yeah. really important to me, which is this idea that if I'm not feeling this so severely, oh, I, I'm not feeling suicidal, I don't want to hurt my baby, I'm fine, I should just pull up my bootstraps. No. <laughs> if you are feeling so bad, and again, it really feels like you're not able to enjoy, you're not able to feel like yourself at all, you deserve support, the baby deserves you to have support. That's a big one. Um, The other one that I feel like gets sort of washed away because we hear a lot about postpartum depression is postpartum anxiety. Hello. 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 It also exists and it's insane. It's crazy. It's so intense and people don't talk about it as much because they assume it's a normal part of new motherhood. And again, Normal doesn't mean we don't want to give it support, right? All of these things are very common. They happen to a lot of people. We still want to give support. But postpartum anxiety, for example, I had a client who was like, I I was up all night staring at the baby monitor. I, I just wanted to make sure she was still breathing. Now, been there, done that. Right, right. <laughs> I don't think that's a shocking, <laughs> no. shocking no. notion to anybody. No. But nonetheless, if that's happening every night and in your sad two-hour window that you were supposed to get sleep, you couldn't because you were staring at the baby monitor, that's where we see anxiety starting to interfere with function. You need that sleep, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or just incessant worry about the health and safety of the baby. Now, our all new parents worried, is the baby okay? Am I doing this right? I think so, right? I think so. So nervous. But again, when it makes it so you can't sleep, you can't eat, and you can't do the things you need to do to take care of yourself and the baby, that's anxiety getting too big, and we really want to see some support around that also. Support, 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 support. Key words here. Yes. is there anything else that comes to mind that you feel like we didn't touch on or that needs to be mentioned? I think, I think really this, you've been so helpful 
And I think really the key here is that you really shouldn't wait for this distinction of postpartum depression of weeks and weeks and weeks of feeling not like yourself and pretty dark before you get help. So much so that you should probably have a support system in place before you have the baby. Yes, yes. I would just add that there's a very real yes but that I hear from a lot of people, which is, yes, but there's no time. I'm nursing, I'm I'm pumping, I'm exhausted, I can't get out, I can't get to therapy, I can't get to a support group. And I say, make time. Mm-hmm. find t- time. But I also say there's so many resources. Again, I keep pointing to the online resources because there's a lot, um, you know, even therapy now, there, it's on the phone. you can do talk therapy, you can, therapy, do, an you can do an hour on the phone, but you can even do, there's asynchronistic therapy, there's platforms that let you, and again, we can put this in the show notes, but yes, let please. you interact, you know, completely online. You don't have to drive somewhere. You can be nursing and doing therapy. You know, I, I did that. There you go. <laughs> I did that. There you go. Had to. Had to. And and the world can adapt to help you adapt to the situation. So don't let time be what stops what the you yes from getting is. the support you need. I have found so much so that motherhood is really just facing a lot about being very vulnerable, asking for help when you need it, and kind of letting go of what you of what people think of you or or it's just been and, a real growth <laughs> and what you think of you i think mitigating your own expectations this exactly right to expect the same behavior from yourself and again major biopsychosocial change and also you don't have your regular coping mechanisms it's not like oh i'm just going to go for a run and go to yoga and i'm going to see my friends and then i'm going to go to a movie and just relax for a little while like you can't you're going to fight to get some of those things into your life again right. but certainly in the first 6 weeks postpartum you know when you're healing you know yep it's not possible it's not possible so your expectations need to change also true there's just lots of different ways to get help and i think that's really important and also um, again thinking about the stigma i just want to really honor that like we were saying with the baby blues like most women have some kind of emotional reaction to having having a a baby it's a big deal right Yeah. yeah Yeah. Right. My friend just went back to work yesterday and she sent a text. She's like seeing her friends and she's like, oh, hey, what's up, guys? What you been doing? And she's like, oh, you know, I just created life. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so bizarre to her. You know, like she's going through this whole thing now of like, so it's just endless changes. And I think support any way you can get it and making time for yourself for that support, whether it is with a therapist, traditionally speaking, or on the phone or online or a mommy and me class, you know, those I found really helpful too. Just being in uh, groups with mommies being like, oh, we're not by ourselves. Yeah. Like, this sucks for you. This sucks for me. Like, you know what I mean? The relief of someone else saying, oh yeah, me too. I want to burn that yoga ball because I was bouncing all night on it. You know, the relief of joining with other people in what is a profound experience. Yes. Super profound. Yeah. Super profound. This was amazing. Thank you, Lucy Rimmelauer, Thank you with so all much. of our hearts. Um, we are going to list a bunch of the things Lucy has uh, mentioned in this podcast. And thank you guys so much for tuning into Katie's Crib. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends. And also, hit me up. Tell me what you think. Are there topics you want me to discuss? Thoughts, questions, comments? Thanks, guys. <laughs>